And we're back, Stripe Show Podcast. On a Tuesday, I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Thank you for being here. Thank you for subscribing to the Stripe Show Podcast. If you haven't already, do me a favor. Go like the podcast. Go leave us a comment. Go leave us a ranking. It all counts. Our goal, we've stated it many times, is to get to the top five as we get into 2022. And we are on our way. We can't do it without you. The Stripe Show podcast, of course, brought to you all year long by Encore Golf. Encore makes the Vero X1. You know how I feel about it. Go check it out. EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton. I love the Vero X1 golf ball. Think about your favorite family member, your friend, go get a box of them, send it to them, holiday package, see if they like it. I think they will. I love it. I've played some good golf this year. It's been a fun year in playing the game of golf. The game of golf, of course, is, is really doing well. The I guess the silver lining to some degree in COVID is people have come back to the game. It's been something that they've been able to do outdoors. And uh, it's been cool to see these golf courses busy, people playing the game, people practicing, and uh, enjoying this great sport that is the game of golf. There's a lot of news uh, that is happening around the game of golf, particularly on the professional level. And I want to start the podcast today by talking about some of that news. And, and, And the news really comes from two different leagues. It's been a little confusing, even to myself, all these new proposed leagues, Premier Golf League, PGL, the Super Golf League, SGL, Saudi Arabia money. Are they the same? Are they different? The Asian tour, what does that mean? Where does that play into this? The European tour is now called the DP World Tour. Is that part of the new league? I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts Right now. So the first part of this podcast, I want to clear up a couple of things and I want to give you my thoughts and I think what's going to transpire through all of this. And of course, when you have new leagues and you have new ideas and new people coming to the surface, the first word that comes to mind is competition. There's more competition all of a sudden in professional golf. And I think competition generally is a very good thing. I think it's a very good thing in life. I think it's a very good thing in business. Because it makes you look at yourself. It makes you evaluate what you're doing. And perhaps it makes you change the course of action to some degree, which can help kind of strengthen your own position in the market, your own business, make yourself better as a person. Competition generally is a good thing. In professional golf, the PGA Tour, of course, is the mothership. And really... When you look at it in the landscape over the last few years, there really hasn't been any competition. European tour, when I was younger, was the PGA tour greatest competitor. But the European tour has been dismantled by the PGA tour. The top players from Europe now live in the United States and play pretty much full time on the PGA tour. I've talked about it many times on the podcast. The European tour really is becoming another corn fairy tour. And I mean that in all respect, and I'm not trying to bash the European tour. I love the European tour. I love watching it, but the level of play has really went down. And all you got to do is look at 
how the European Tour finished up this year. Their last event, the DP World Tour Championship, which concludes the season-long race, quote, season-long race to Dubai, was won by American Colin Morikawa. Now, Colin Morikawa played 10 events on the European Tour. Seven of those count on the PGA Tour. Of course, the four major championships, those count on both tours. Of course, the three world golf championships, those count on both tours. So there's seven events. What that leaves is three. Colin Morikawa played in three events, basically, outside of the four majors, the three WGCs on the European Tour. He finished T71, T68 in the first two. And the last one, the DP World Tour Championship, he won. And he is your season-long race champion on the European Tour. The European Tour has has been dismantled. They know that. And now they have strategically aligned themselves with the PGA Tour, which is a smart move. And now a rebranding that's called the DP World Tour into 2022. Smart move for the European Tour, smart move for the PGA Tour as it strengthens its, its position worldwide. There is no competition for the PGA Tour. So all of a sudden, here comes two new leagues. That's going to address some hot topics. That's going to throw a lot of money at some of the opportunities and perhaps weaknesses that are clearly present in the PGA Tour. The first being the Premier Golf League. If you go to the Premier Golf League website, the first thing it states is we are not the Super Golf League Saudi-backed money. We are not those people. (laughs) Premier Golf League is not the Super Golf League. We'll get to that in a second. Premier Golf League has proposed some interesting concepts. The first concept is a dual type of competition over 18 weeks. There's going to be an individual competition and there's going to be a team competition. The individual competition is going to be roughly 48 players every single week. And that's a key number, 48 players, very small fields, not 152 like we see on the, excuse me, on the PGA tour, but 48 players, significantly smaller And again, geared towards the top player. They've got to get the top players for this to get off the ground. That's a whole separate conversation if you think that's going to happen. But 48 players, 18 events, January through August 2023. That's when they want to kick it off. 20 in, or excuse me, 12 in the US and eight internationally. Three days, no cut, shotgun start. Now, key there, three days, no cut. Small field, three days, no cut. Top players guaranteed for three days. Each week, $20 million purse, $4 million to first place. Now, in addition to the individual competition, you have the team competition. That's going to run parallel to that. 12 teams of four, only two scores count per day, excuse me, per team per day. $1 million team bonus each week for 17 weeks. So imagine it's 18 weeks in all. You go 17 weeks as an individual, as a team, and then there's this season finale in week 18. 
There's going to be individual and team bonuses spread out as well throughout the year, throughout the year. So there's a lot of money that's going to be injected into this top players, smaller fields, no cut individual team competition. Interesting. Then you've got the super golf league. Saudi back money. Their proposal is they're going to be taking over the Asian tour, starting with 10 events with more to come. They're funded by a group called the LIV Investment, which is your Saudi-backed money. And it's going to be headed up by Greg Norman. We've talked about it here, Greg Norman. Of course, this has been something near and dear to him. Starting this type of league, it was shot down back in the 90s. So this is very much a personal thing for Greg to get this off of the ground and be a competitor to the PGA Tour. They hired Slugger White. As the VP rules and competition, Slugger was with the PGA Tour for 40 years. He's coming out of retirement, and he'll be answering to Chief Events Officer Ron Cross, who Ron Cross was a longtime executive for the PGA Tour and Augusta National. So they've hired a couple people. There's a couple others in there in communications in the TV world as they start to push ahead. Competition, of course, now is real for the PGA Tour. So real that you've seen them take some response to this already. The player impact program. The PIP, 40 million last year. All of that designed to go to the top players. There was a letter that went out to the players talking about the 2022 season. Talking about the proposed revenue that's coming in. The expenses that will offset that. What that's going to be left with how they're going to the reserve. They're going to put more money into this as well. And as a result, here's what we have going into 2022. Listen to this as the increases from a money standpoint across the board. Let's start with the FedEx Cup bonus pool. FedEx Cup bonus pool. This year, 2022 coming up, I should say, is going to be $75 million. This previous year, it was $60 million. The Comcast Business Tour Top 10. 2022 will be $20 million. Last year, it was 10 Player Impact Program, I referenced, was $40 million last year. This year, it'll be 50 A new program called the Play 15 Bonus Program. It'll be worth $10 million in 2022. Official prize money. 2022 will be, will be $427 million. That's up from $367 million last year. Average purses at $9.1 million. That's up from $8 million last year. You've got your player-hosted invitationals like the Genesis API Memorial. That's going to be $12 million. That's up from $10.5 last year. The FedEx Cup playoffs, $15 million this year. That's up from $9.5 million last year. And then the Players' Championship will be $20 million this year. That's up from 15 million last year. So some significant increases in all of these purses from the competition that is being presented by the PGL and the SGL. So what's going to come of this as we kind of recap all this up? Well, I think first and foremost, what's going to come of this is this is going to strengthen the PGA Tour. I think competition is a good thing. I think the PGA Tour is looking how it's operating. It's looking at 
its opportunities out there to take care of its members, in particularly the top players. And I think that's the number one thing, the top players. How do you take care of the guys that A, the sponsors want to see at the tournament and B, the customers want to watch in person or on TV or streaming on the app? How do you take care of them? And I think you're already starting to see a lot of that happen right now. The PIP program, the increases in the FedEx Cup bonus pool, the Players' Championship, the WGCs, all of these increases in money and how you can put more money in these top players' hands. I do think that the WGC, to some degree or to some level of that, is going to expand whether it's called the world golf championships or something else, there's going to have to be some kind of separation more so with these top players where we know they're going to be playing smaller fields, no cuts, just like a lot of these leagues are presenting, putting more money, taking care of the top players. I've said it many times. The PGA tour is a star driven league. Yes, there's a lot of members, but those stars, those stars right now, more than ever, because of the competition that's being presented, are the most important thing. And I think as they go down this path and then as they work through things, it will strengthen the PGA Tour. Do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club? Well, if that's the case today... Is your lucky day because I'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at Pinned Golf. Their brand new Ace Rangefinder is amazing and it's only $199. I've been using it for a couple weeks now and I was blown away with the quality. It has a slope technology, pin locked vibration technology. So you know exactly when you are locked onto your target tour lever accuracy. And best of all, it is powered by a USB charge so you can forget about those little batteries. Every other rangefinder makes you buy. One 45-minute charge lasts you 50-plus rounds. I love it. Our friends over at Pin Golf are hooking up all of our listeners with $25 off and free shipping when you use code STRIPESHOW. That's code STRIPESHOW. I'm telling you. For $175, you simply cannot beat the Ace Rangefinder. Head out over to pingolf.com and get yourself the Ace and get dialed in. All right, moving on here. Topic number two, Brooks Kepka versus Bryson DeChambeau. It is the match that uh, we'll see these two guys go at it for 12 holes. Kind of like that, 12 holes perhaps playing off of boxing 12 rounds. After all, it is in Las Vegas, the Win Golf Club. It'll be 4 p.m. Eastern on Friday, November 26. I'll probably tune in. Should be uh, some, good, uh, some good smack talk in there, I would think, from um, at least Brooks. I'm not sure if Bryson really knows how to smack talk. <laughs> I think Bryson was a little uncomfortable and really didn't know how to handle the situation when this whole thing started, when Brooks rewarded people for calling Bryson Brooksy on the golf course and 
It was a bit of a Bush League move, if you ask me, and the way that Brooks went about this. I like it. I like the banner, the controversy, the eye roll off the, you know, off the golf course and some of the things that transpired. Um, but I think Brooks took it too far. I don't think Bryson really knew how to handle it. Some of the immaturity showed up and, you know, he kind of added fuel to the fire and it took off. And, you know, I think in the end, you look at how this has worked out. I think Bryson really, to this point, has had the last laugh. Bryson's play uh, in the Ryder Cup. Bryson played some spectacular golf. Brooks, of course, is too too cool for school attitude on, you know, the team competition and how it interrupts things a bit for him um, from a, a scheduling standpoint, a preparation standpoint. Some of his posturing and position, I don't think bode very well for him. Bryson came in, played well, and then continued on with the long drive competition, which I think was another good move for him. Something that, of course, he has a lot of passion for, but I think from a PR standpoint, was very good for him. And I think in the end, Bryson has come out here better of these two. And I think he's going to go in there and I think he's going to beat Brooks because I have a lot of concern about the game of Brooks Kepka right now. I think Brooks is searching for his game. You look at his golf. He played in November, missed the cut at the Houston Open, missed the cut at Mayakoba. Didn't hit it good at all. And, you know, earlier in the year, he left his coach, Claude Harmon III, who helped Brooks from his time over on the Challenge Tour in Europe. And then as he came over here and started climbing the ranks on the PGA Tour, Claude Harmon III, third was, was with him every step of the way. And of course he gets major championships. And then all of a sudden Brooks pushes Claude to the side. Um, now you've got new equipment. He announced his new deal with Strixon and Randy Smith is out there watching him hit balls late into the night. And all of a sudden now Brooks quote is a range rat where Before, I thought he didn't practice at all, and all he cares about is playing in major championships. I think Brooks is searching. I don't think he feels good about his game at all. He got new equipment in his hands, back-to-back missed cuts. Bryson comes in, I think, and rolls him on Friday and continues to get the last laugh. And finally, of course, Tiger Woods. Posts a video on social media, making progress, as he says, which is great to see. Love to see Tiger Woods swing in the golf club again. I've said many times this season, though, you know, this was the first year that I felt like the PGA Tour really was in a nice spot with its young stars capped off by the great play of young American players at the Ryder Cup that things are going to be fine without Tiger Woods. We always know they're going to be better, way better with Tiger Woods. Tiger is the needle. No one deserves the money that is being pushed in for these top players more than Tiger Woods. And here he is now back, what was it, 271 days after the wreck, hitting balls on the range. And it looked good. I love the change in knee flex. It's interesting, Tiger back in his days of 2000 didn't have a lot of change in knee flex. Had a lot of width, 
uh, had a lot of load up into the trail side, but he didn't really give up the flexion in that right knee all that much. Now you look at how things have evolved and a tiger of course has taken on many swing changes, but I like where he's at here I mean, kind of freeing up the hips a bit. Be interesting if tiger was a young tiger today and as he got into the PGA Tour, what his swing might look like today. It'd be interesting versus the era that he came in. You look at the swing changes, uh, Eric Cagorno uh, and I talked about it on Monday on the podcast. Really good one. We were talking about kind of the evolution of Tiger Woods' swing. He came out in 2000. And of course, Butch Harmon brought him out there. And as I mentioned, it was just this big, wide, loaded up swing club face, maybe just slightly shut at the top. And then he just brought it down and just opened up rotated left legs uh, snapping in line. And he just dominated. We never seen golf like that before. Injury started left knee switches coaches to Hank Haney, which I said on the podcast, I think was a very good change because I think Hank's style of teaching is what Tiger needed at that time. A little weaker grip, more form rotation to the top, shaft pointing a bit more left at the top, face a bit more open. Now he has to come down, less rotation of the body and posting up, a little softer perhaps in the lead leg. So more, you get a little more rotation with the lead form and wrist coming through, which was needed based upon the difference going back. So it was little more of this forearm rotation, face rotation type of swing versus what we saw with the younger Tiger. And I think that was, that boded well for Tiger considering the injury. Again, domination, a higher winning percentage with Hank versus Butch. More injuries. Sean Foley takes over. We go stronger grip. We go not as wide. We get more depth. You can see the hand path versus the hands not going as wide, but more in and around. You could see the pivot more centered, less loaded. And Tiger wins five times and gets back to the number one ranking. Probably my least favorite swing of Tiger just because I felt like it really changed the DNA of Tiger's swing, which was wider, more loaded, tall to the top, and then go get it. You saw Tiger start to kind of dip down and the attack angle steepen. I get that question a lot with Tiger during this phase is, you know, his attack angle was definitely steeper, but, you know, why did Tiger aim so far left during that phase? And the reason was, is his attack angle was so steep. And when your attack angle is so steep, it's moving the path to the right. And with a driver, it's like a one-to-one ratio. So imagine if you're six or seven degrees down, well, that's moving the past six or seven to the right. So you have two, you have two options. You either take your swing direction and you swing hard left six or seven degrees, or you just flat out aim left. And I think with the driver during that phase, Tiger just aimed way left. Now with an iron, he could turn the corner and get it more left, but it was a, you know, a stronger club face position. It was a steeper attack angle and Tiger made it work. And then, in, in Sean's defense, I think, you know, Tiger, obviously his body was, was really wounded and broken down at that point, but it was my least favorite swing. 
of all of them. He comes back, Chris Como takes it over. And all of a sudden he kind of gets back to the roots of wider, more loaded, taller to the top. And off he goes. Tiger, lots of different swings and he makes it work. I'm almost convinced you could have taught Tiger to play left-handed and he would have got to number one player in the world. Now he's coming back and I think you're going to see a swing that was more like when he left and what Chris helped him do. And that change of knee flex. I think the big thing with Tiger Woods is going to be how much club head speed can he create considering the injuries? What will that driver's speed be? And I think based off of that will how will be how competitive he can be. Tiger Woods will figure out the irons. Path, face, relationship, launch angle, distance control. He's the best that's ever done with the irons. He'll figure that out. It's just how much length can he create off the tee and sustain it? And if he can create competitive length and keep it relatively in front of him, I think he'll be competitive. But we'll just have to wait and see. Another name that we saw out there post a swing was Jordan Spieth. And Jordan, of course, works with his longtime coach, Cameron McCormick, who I would love to have on the podcast, but he won't come on. So maybe we can work on that. Who knows? But Jordan, um, you know, I'll finish with this here on the podcast. I posted it on my Instagram site. And Jordan got back to his winning ways, hit the golf ball much better, in particular his iron game. I think he would probably still like to see some growth with his driver. But nonetheless, got the ball in play. He went to the fade, which is something you see with a lot of players, right? They go to the fade. Rory went to the fade. Players start hanging back. They start hanging back, which means side bend right. The spine's tilted back to the right. Club kind of gets underneath them. Path gets way out to the right. They hit a lot of blocks. And then the face starts to flip over and they start hitting some hooks. And that is your better player fault. So with Jordan, I think for many, for really a couple years, it appeared that the focus was on the backswing, get things more structured going back. And then from there, let's go get it. And it sounds like where things really took a turn for the better was the reverse engineering approach, which basically means that you just start with impact. You just say, okay, here's impact. Here's where we want to be at impact to instinctively hit a fade. Okay, now let's hit a shot and let's not worry about where the club is at the top. Let's not worry about what the body's doing going back. Let's just get into this impact position feel that, and then instinctively hit a fade. And as they started to reverse engineer it, they started to kind of not worry about what the club looked like at the top. And what it has, and what has to happen to hit a fade, well, less hang back to the right. So less side bend to the right, feel a little more on top of it. Weight on the left foot, lead shoulder not as high, lead shoulder more down and back, hand path, or handle, I should say, is lower through the strike, hand path working back around to the left, club shaft exiting under the shoulder. These are some of the things that start to transpire. And now all of a sudden there's a fade. Yeah, there it is. Okay, I can feel that. Yeah, okay, cool. There it is. Do it again. Let's do it again. And then just let's just let it be. Don't worry about where the club is going back. Don't worry about what the body's doing. And it worked. And he started finding it. And you could see the club shaft just kind of go and started to get more laid off. And it was like, oh, it's laid but okay, it's working. 
So as, as a teacher and as, as an analyst, you're like, okay, well, all right, Hey, if it's working, it's working. Right. But at some point I think, okay, where does that, does that become an issue? The club shaft, does it get too laid off? And then all of a sudden the shaft's wanting to steepen and transition. And now we got a bigger issue. So this off season, you can see Jordan working now on the backswing and trying to pair that up with that instinctive reverse engineering approach of what it feels like through impact. You can see, if you go to my Instagram at Travis Fulton golf, you'll see the picture much more down the line and less laid off. I also think when you see that you're seeing that left thumb a little bit more underneath the shaft, The left thumb is more underneath the shaft. Um, left wrist is less bowed. That right hip is turned a little bit better, a little deeper into the right side. As a result, the lead arm has a little bit more depth and yeah, it looks good. It does. It looks good. Now, whether Jordan can do that instinctively and then still cover it and hit his fade, we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see. But these are the things that happen in the offseason with players where it makes a little more sense to take on some of these, these wholesale changes. And no one's cheering more for Jordan Speed than I am. I love seeing him competitive again. His short game is sick. Absolutely crazy good. And now the club, the swing, the impact, the instincts to boot is all coming back here in a full swing perspective. And he's one of those stars we're talking about. Jordan Spieth deserves some of that money, as we talked about in the beginning. The sponsors deserve to see Jordan Spieth there and playing every single day. Right. And how do we get more of that? And I think that's going to be the strengthening of the tour in some ways, as we talked about in the first segment. Working on some other things for you here um, into December as it is the off season. I love to dig into some of these players and some of the wholesale changes as they continue. Where's Ricky Fowler at? Worked out, reached out to his coach, John Tiller. I want to see where that progression's at. I want to see where Justin Thomas's putting is at. Reach out to John Graham and what are they doing to get that putter more consistent? So those are some of the other topics um, that I am working on right now into December. We've got a great lineup coming. We've got one more podcast tomorrow. Dr. Brett McCabe, one of the top sports psychologists in the game. He works with a lot of top players. I'll tell you tomorrow who they are. You're not going to want to miss it. Thank you for being here. Stripe Show Podcast on a Tuesday. See you tomorrow. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy, control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest Gold-Rated Elixir and Low Compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.